Here's everything you might have missed in She-Hulk Episode 5. Welcome back, you Marvel maniacs, to our weekly breakdown of She-Hulk. Episode 5, titled Mean, Green, and Straight Poured Into Those Jeans, gave us bootleg merch, booty-boosting shakes, and some unexpected Easter eggs to boot. We're going to break it all down for you in just a moment, but in order to do so, we have to spoil what happens in She-Hulk Episode 5. So, if you haven't seen it yet and you're worried about that sort of thing, leave now before it's too late. Chad! Oh, what's up, Jen? What are you doing? You can't just walk into my house. I don't know what you want me to tell you. I kind of just did that. Okay, let's get into it, shall we? The episode itself focuses primarily on Jennifer Walters trying to get control of the She-Hulk name back from Titania. In the final moments of episode four, we learn the super-powered influencer Titania had trademarked She-Hulk's name out from under her. Titania used the name to create a line of beauty and wellness products with the on-the-nose tagline, I am strength, I am beauty, I own who I am, literally. As we mentioned last week, this plays into the real-life origins of the She-Hulk character. She-Hulk was created in 1977 during the height of popularity for the Incredible Hulk live-action television show. The producer of the Incredible Hulk, Kenneth Johnson, was also behind The Bionic Woman, a highly successful spin-off of The Six Million Dollar Man, which was basically the same concept starring a female version of the character. Worried that Johnson would do the same thing with a female Hulk, Stan Lee, John Buscema, and Marvel scrambled to create She-Hulk to protect their copyrights instead. Sadly, though she can break the fourth wall, it's a lesson that Jen Walters did not internalize. Did Doctor Strange have to trademark his name? Did Thor? You chose two examples of people who used their real names. Mm-hmm. Judge Early presiding over the case could be a reference to Sean Early, who works at Marvel in development. As for She-Hulk's attorney, well, Jen isn't representing herself. That would be crazy. Well, I'm surprised and relieved you aren't foolish enough to try to represent yourself. At least you know that basic rule. Rather, Mallory Book steps in to save her hide from ignominy and defeat in the courtroom. Introduced in 2004 She-Hulk number one, Mallory is also known as the face who never lost a case. In the comics, Mallory is one of Jen's biggest professional rivals. In the courtroom, their strategy involves trotting out all the jerks that Jen dated in last week's episode. Former pro wrestler David Otunga, the haughty director Noah, weirdo She-Hulk superfan Todd, and the hot doctor who isn't attracted to Jen, only She-Hulk, and maybe a side of fries. Now, quick side note, I know a lot of you thought that Todd would wind up being connected to the big bad out there, the person who sent the Wrecking Crew to steal She-Hulk's blood. And I was prepared to do a victory lap because he mostly appeared here as a joke, a character witness. But given that he's a client of GLKNH, something tells me he might still have another role to play beyond sleazy comic relief. Now, this is probably a nothing burger, but it is too much to ignore for the time being. So, Todd Watch? Probably not. Yeah, we should reconnect soon. Anyway, Mallory has some major leverage on Jen right now, and not just in the wardrobe department. I got you a consultation with the guy who makes clothing for superheroes. Oh, I don't think I really need that. You do, yeah. yes. Speaking of those clothes, though, they're the subject of both one of Jen's fun fourth wall breaks and the episode's B story in which Pug and Nikki hunt down a shadowy superhero stylist who can make Jen a costume suitable for She-Hulk and the courtroom. Pug initially begs Nikki to wait in line with him to pick up the Iron Man 3s, the Air Jordan-esque sneakers we've seen teased in the series previously. And as it turns out, Pug is something of a streetwear connoisseur with his very own drip broker. Yeah, I got a guy, Alonzo, the drip broker. You can find anything you're looking for fashion-wise. Now, fingers crossed that Alonzo won't wind up being Alonzo Link in the Daredevil villain Tombstone, but hey, anything's possible. It's not, it's not gonna be him. Shut up. 
Now, during the credits, we see a number of other superhero-inspired sneakers in Pug's prodigious collection. From the top left, you can see others inspired by Doctor Strange, a comic book accurate Falcon, Hulk, Doctor Doom, Wolverine, Cable, Captain America, Ghost Rider, Nova, Bishop, The Thing, Deadpool, Speedball, Namor, Green Goblin, Vision, Silver Surfer, Electro, Captain Marvel, Cyclops, Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider, Black Panther, and Moon Knight, just to name a few. I'm sure I missed a couple, so let me know in the comments below. The real question is what are those? Nikki and Pug's Hunt takes them to Cafe Boba, where you can spot a QR code leading to a free comic book. This week is 2004 She-Hulk number 10, an issue that features Titania bursting through the cover, just like she took over the title sequence of this week's episode. And then we finally get context for the bootleg Avengers gear in the credits. It turns out the Boba Cafe guy sells gear for the Avengers, the Avengers, and other heroes like Hulk. Thur and Hawkeye, which by the way is what Clint gets called by his neighbor Grills in the Matt Fraction David Aha series. Now these delightfully silly bootlegs are created by artist 100% Soft, aka Truck Torrance, who did make a cameo appearance on She-Hulk's Matcher profile last week. As for that shot of Hulk wearing a mankini, it's definitely inspired by Borat right down to the mustache. It's very nice. Eventually, we do meet the one and only Luke Jacobson, the exclusive superhero tailor who caters to an elite clientele. In the comics, Luke first appeared in 1986's Dakota North number one. This superstar fashion designer hired private detective Dakota North to protect him and his designs from thieves. But this version of Luke seems to be blended a bit with another comic book tailor, namely Leo Zielinski, who first appeared in 2003's Amazing Spider-Man number 502. Leo, unlike Luke in the comics, actually made costumes for superheroes. Leo was a tailor who started by making costumes for The Thing, and then later moved on to The Avengers and The X-Men as well. You actually go outside in these things? What would you prefer? Yellow spandex? Luke's clientele on She-Hulk, though, is just as impressive. Towards the end of the episode, he's making the new and improved yellow Daredevil costume for Matt Murdock. And while it's new to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the yellow costume actually was the original one that Daredevil rocked back in the day in 1964's Daredevil No. 1. And we know from the trailers that Jen will be very impressed with this really good lawyer soon enough. This guy's really kind of doing it for me. However, we also briefly see another of Luke's clients who will be appearing in his brand new costume later this season. The blonde guy walking out past Jen and Nikki is Eugene Patilio, the alter ego of Frogman, who we've seen teased in the trailers as an amphibious Power Ranger. Now, whether Frogman is a superhero like in the comics or a supervillain like his father, that remains to be seen. But it's a banner day for fans of Super Sentai and underserved comic book characters. Jennifer Walters. Never heard of you. Luke is reluctant to help Jen until he hears that she's actually an Avenger. By the way, we told him you're an Avenger. What? And while she isn't technically part of Earth's Mightiest Heroes in the MCU, and it's also unclear if that group's even still active in the MCU, she did officially join the group in 1982's Avengers number 221. As for the suit Luke makes for Jen, well, as Hulk told her in episode one, spandex is her best friend. We saw a glimpse of her white and purple costume in the trailer, so that's probably the bonus costume that Luke gives her. As for how they work, well, based on Immortal Hulk number 50, we know that Reed Richards was able to take the unstable molecules that comprise Hulk's signature purple pants into a tailored suit for him. So maybe Luke will undertake something similar on the show. Order extra bolts of the stretch wool. We're going to need... A lot of fabric. 
And lastly, we get a few other fun tidbits during the closing credits. We see Jen's cousin Ched slinging more She-Hulk by Titania merch, which is allegedly signed by She-Hulk herself. And we see Holloway drinking a She-Hulk booty boost shake so he can put the ass in habeas corpus. That's how it's pronounced, right? And there you have it, folks. That's everything we spotted in She-Hulk Episode 5. We'll have even more deep dives into She-Hulk and the MCU for you on Nerdist in the days ahead. But for now, tell us, what did you think of this episode? Did you spot anything that we missed? Hmm. No. Let us know in the comments below. And for the latest and greatest in the world of pop culture, make sure you stay tuned to Nerdist.com. Nerdist.com.